What up, fam? Sandler Thomas, your Nubian scribe, inviting you to follow me on Instagram at Nubian underscore scribe. And if you like my logo and want to purchase a copy of it to hang in your home or in your office, then tap the link in my Instagram profile and look for the link to my online store when you get to my YouTube channel, which is entitled Nubian Scribe. And for those out there thinking that I'm out here making it rain, Nah, but that's all right, because I ain't doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the love and, most importantly, for you. So if you like this podcast, I have another one just as insightful, which is entitled Acts 18.9, and it has the subtitle, You Are More, You Are More Than You Think. All it takes is faith. So, Go on my online store and purchase some merchandise. That's how you can show your love and support for me and of this show. Now to this episode's title, The Objectification of Race and Gender. What is it? Well, let me break it down to you. First and foremost, objectification is the degrading of someone to the status of an object. The most common example of that is a man, and in this era, a woman too, looking at or treating a person as if they were an object. Ever heard the terms arm candy or trophy wife? Better yet, sperm donor or sugar daddy? Objectification is so entrenched in our society today that it is normalizing biased thinking. What is biased thinking? Thinking about someone in a negative way. As a man, would I be upset if my boo referred to me as a sperm donor or as a sugar daddy? Hell yeah. <laughs> and keeping it 100? If she referred to me as her dark piece of chocolate or Mandingo warrior king, <laughs> I wouldn't be offended at all. Not one bit. Why? Because in my mind, which is all that matters, those things are factually correct. Case in point, my Latino brothers love to hear their boos refer to them as poppy. Or better yet, big poppy. Hell, keep them 100. I wouldn't mind <laughs> if mine called me big poppy. But hey, Mandingo Warrior King, I like that over the, the rest. But on the real, why does all of this matter? Because biased thinking is becoming more and more radicalized and sadly actionable. Thus, this episode. Frankly, I could give a hot you-know-what what people say about me, think about me, or how they view me. Why? Because only I alone control how my day going to be. How? Because I get to control how I'm going to react to biased thinking. Fam, word on them streets is that pimping ain't easy. But reacting to biased thinking is. Which is what the murals are asking from us every day, even on Sundays. Well, they ain't going to get what they're asking for from me, at least in a form that they want. Fam, we got to be smart about how we react to biased thinking. Else we ain't no smarter than those who seek to marginalize us. 
think about fam before us, especially those who wrote the script on reacting to ignorance and racial bias, i.e. Dr. King and his nonviolent movement and the murals. <laughs> They're expecting him and his to shoot and kill. But instead, Dr. King and his turned their own cameras against them. <laughs> and he showed the world what was popping off in the South with their own cameras and with them behind their own lens. Which garnered not only national support for his cause, but also international support. And look at the Black Lives Movement, the Black Lives Matter Movement. It exposed racial inequality all over this world via social media. Again, using something that was developed and which is controlled by the Euros. My point is this, when it comes to reversing or at least limiting the effects that racial bias thinking has and is doing in our community and to us, we have to think outside the box like they did. You know, pulling the old okie doke on them. Listen, we as a people have been objectified for centuries and continue to be today. It's no secret, but the difference today is that the Euros are pitting us against each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They ain't nothing new either. I know, I know. But this time, they are using race and gender combined to do it. What are you talking about, Willis? Hold up. My name ain't Willis. I'm the Mandingo Warrior King, remember? <laughs> nah, but on the real, if I was to ask you about your views on gay anything, what would it be? The black church would say that it's against it which is why they are being weaponized. If you grew up in a black church, like I did, you heard preachers rail on gay relationships on the regular, fam. Before the weaponization of the black church against their own, the Euros didn't pay much attention to what black preachers or what they were saying to their congregants. Why? Because they weren't trying to get the black vote. Think about it. If one party is for gay anything and the other one isn't the one against it will attempt to shame those who vote for a candidate who's in that party who's for gay whatever or at least have them question their own spirituality peep this even though the black community has had very strong opinions on gay relationships individually we have demonstrated that we have had a less stringent opinion about gay relationships. Case in point, going back to the black church, although the Bible teaches not to judge others, how many of you out there, come on, keep it real now, ain't nobody else listening, ain't nobody even hear you, but, but I'm asking you this question. How many of you out there thought your choir director or organist was gay? while at the same time clapping and singing exuberantly each Sunday and doing Wednesday night services while he or she was directing the choir or playing the organ. And how many of you out there grew up in a household where there was an Uncle Jerome or Aunt Betty who wasn't blood related or related by marriage to your kinfolk? 
Come on, fam. You know what I'm talking about. What does that say about us and our views on gay relations? Black folks are accepting and have always been acceptive of gay relationships. Why? Because as the Bible teachers and our preachers have taught us, it's a sin to judge, which includes judging how someone chooses to live their own life. Stop. Stop. I already know what you're going to say. Doesn't God frown on gay relationships? Well, let me answer that question with a question. Doesn't the Bible also frown on fornication and adultery? Right? Hold up. I already know what your other question is. <laughs> and here's my answer. Yes, I have an opinion on gay relationships like everybody else. But before I give it, I'm asking you to support my good friend book entitled Wisdom Gifts. That's wisdom, G period, I period, F period, T period, S period. It's about acknowledging, celebrating, and sharing wisdom. My girl's name is Aretha Ballen, B-A-L-L-E-N. And her co-author is Kim Coase. Yes, that Kim Coase. I don't have scrubs for friends. I'm just saying. The book can be purchased on Amazon, but make sure you type her name or Kim's name in the search along with that book title. And you can also purchase that book at Wisdom Gifts Books. Wisdom Gift Book. Sorry about that. W-I-S-D-O-M-G-I-F-T-S book.com. Now, to my opinion on gay relationships, here it is. My complete thought on gay relationships. Listen closely. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Luke 637. Fam. To me, it's as clear and simple as that Bible verse. If we as a people continue with that teaching and that thinking and not let the Euros tag those in a family who are gay as objects, then the Euros will not succeed in their efforts to divide and conquer us as a race just to weaken our power as voters or to keep us from voting for candidates of a certain political party. Sure, candidates' beliefs and actions do matter, but if the choice is between social justice and social extremism, <laughs> then why not choose Luke 637 while you in a voting booth? One love. <laughs>